Welcome to Bridges Podcast. I'm Paula Shaw here with my writer, musician, and entrepreneur daughter, Erin Shaw. Thanks, Hi, Andre. Annie. Hi, and I'm here with you, you life transitions expert, author, speaker, and media host, you. Oh, call me whatever. The amazing Paula Shaw, who everyone in my world knows as Paula. <laughs> Paula. How's Paula? They always say. Oh. Yes. What are we talking about today, Mom? We're back on Bridges, episode five. We are, and we're talking about saying the right thing, which is so often difficult. In fact, it's such a um, huge topic out there. It's actually the title of my next book. Because you are out fighting the good fight, helping people learn (laughs) how to say the right thing when they don't know what to say. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so many people come to me and say, I really need your help. My, my son saw his best friend die in a ski accident in front of him, oh. and I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say to him. I don't know what to say to the mother. Yeah. You know, people say, oh, my daughter lost a contest that she worked so hard for. Mm-hmm. You know, imagine if you're a parent of an Olympian who yeah. worked for years and then didn't perform well. Or even more you know, um, hard, not hardcore is not the word I want, but heartbreaking. There mm-hmm, it is. Mm-hmm. We ended last week's show talking about uh, some of these school shootings yeah, and oh some God. of these poor parents who have lost their kids and fr- uh, their kids who've lost their friends mm-hmm. and are scared and don't feel like their government necessarily overall, you know, is supporting them in an overly big way. And they feel mm-hmm. like they have to take things into their own hands how and I mean, how do you even begin to to say something to someone in that position? I can't even imagine. You know, that takes me back to a story from my own experience. When I first finished school and I was working at the Grief Recovery Institute, I got a call from a woman who I actually had known prior to that that time, and her son, her six year old son, had died of a brain aneurysm. Oh. And your brother, Casey, was six years old at the time. And she, she left me a message first. And I was trying to call her back. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And finally, John James, who was the head of the Institute, looked at me and said, Shaw, what are you doing? And I explained to him why I was having such difficulty calling back. And mm-hmm. he said, you know what? Even if you call her back and all you say is... I'm with you, and mm-hmm. you start to cry. That's going to be way ahead of all the people that are going to tell her God needed him more than you did. Oh. God will take care of him now. Yeah. Thank God you have another child. Oh. These kinds of things are actually on the list of what not to say. I was just that I write say, in my book. Let's talk about that first. What? I mean, I'm going to assume we're talking about people who are, are grieving because we've talked about how. Grieving is one of the most unanimous experiences that everyone goes through. Exactly. I mean, it's it's completely ubiquitous, and 
And yeah. not just connected with death. Right. I think we need to get that straight right yeah. up front. Because so many people think you only grieve if somebody died. It could be divorce, loss exactly. of your job, your pet. I cry quarterly thinking about my dog dying, and he's perfectly healthy, but he's 13. <laughs> I know it's coming at some point. I break into tears, and then I start on conversations about Marley and me and Seabiscuit, and before you know it, I'm a mess. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> grieving comes in all sizes and shapes, and, and yet it's so funny because I feel like it's one of those dirty words that people don't want to talk about. They don't want to say, like, oh, he's grieving, like it's a bad thing, yet we all go through it, and mm-hmm. if you don't actually grieve and you don't let yourself feel those those feelings of heartbreak and loss you can actually have some pretty terrible ramifications from suppressing those feelings if I'm not mistaken absolutely that can lead to physical illness Mm -hmm. it can certainly lead to anxiety addiction it can lead to addiction sure because you got to find a way to dull that pain right depression for sure um, uh, developing phobias, a lot of that happens because people don't deal with the feelings they have after some kind of traumatic experience. And why do you think it is that as human beings we're so afraid to feel emotional pain? I mean, I know that mm. seems maybe an obvious question, but we all know that pain comes with life, you know, that joy right. and pain, without, you know, without pain, we wouldn't celebrate our joys as much, I guess. So, Why do we have this paralyzing fear of not only feeling our own pain, but going to someone else in pain? Like, I think there's that part of us that worries we're going to, like, take on their pain somehow through osmosis, and we don't know how we're going to deal with that that discomfort of, I don't want to be around someone who's hurting because it's too hard. But yet, you're not even the one experiencing the loss half the time. Right. Or the the transition. Lots of anxiety comes with that because on the one hand, yes, I think you're right, there's almost this fear, I'm going to catch it, you Mm -hmm. know, and then I'll feel bad too. But a greater fear is, I might say something that's not helpful, and make their pain worse. Mm. And that's exactly why I wrote that book. So what are, what are the things that are, we don't want to say? Because I feel like that's probably most important to clear up first, right? Yeah. Like people are always <laughs> wanting to know, what are the parameters here? So right, what, right. What, would you, what are the things you don't want to say to someone who's experiencing any kind of life transition? Mm-hmm. And by the way, just to before I answer that question, you made a, such a great point that it's like this word grief is like a dirty word. It's like the G word, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it's just because there's nothing about grief that feels inviting or Mm. good, right? When you're grieving, when you're a griever, you're in pain. Mm -hmm. Life, the joy in your life is not very much present, if at all. And so I think, you know what, I go back to eighth grade when we looked at a one-celled amoeba under the microscope, Mm -hmm. and then they introduced some painful stimuli, and that little amoeba moved as far away from the painful stimuli as it could. Wow. That was just one cell. Yeah. And we're made of millions of cells. Mm. So you see, I think part of it is instinctual. It's it's hardwired into us. Like our hand. We move away from pain. Exactly. The other part, I think, is... On a on an intellectual you know level where just like we were saying you know we we don't want to do the wrong thing we don't want to say the wrong thing um, and so let's talk a little bit about what are the wrong things to say what are they so I want to know for my own the sake, first thing else. that I, the source I think for the most part of the wrong things to say is our intellect 
Because mm-hmm. let's remember, when people are in emotional pain, this is not an intellectual experience. Right. This is a heart deal. And we need to respond to them from the heart. Mm-hmm. Even if we just say, I can't imagine what you're going through, but I'm here for you. Yeah. Can I just give you a hug? You know, those kinds of things can be helpful. But too often, we try to make them feel better. We try to come up with a solution because that's how we humans get through our lives. Sure. So we'll say something like, well, God must have needed him more than you did. Or you're not the only one that ever this ever happened to. You'll get through it just like everybody else does. How bad is it to say, I know how you feel? Oh, the worst. Is that like the ultimate the sin? The worst. That makes people want to put their dukes up and say, no, you don't. Right. Absolutely you don't. Because I mean, people want to feel that their experience is unique because it is. It's not even that they want to feel. They know it is. Mm. They know in their gut. You don't have any idea what I'm feeling yeah. because you're not inside my being. And that's the truth. Right. So when I'm working with somebody who's grieving or if it's somebody then in my life, one of the first things I always say is, I can't know exactly what you're feeling and what you're going through. But I have had a similar experience. If I have, if I can share that. And I know I felt terrified or I felt like the world was coming to an end Mm -hmm. then that gives the other person permission to say yeah that's how I feel or no that's not exactly what I'm feeling I'm feeling you know like hopeless I'm feeling this isn't fair and do you think maybe something like that where you might share your own experience to create a sense like a safe space for them to share Mm -hmm. I would imagine that's something you don't want to say right off the bat that that's maybe a little farther along in their healing process am I right about that that initially let's say it is a death for example or a a, you know loss of a relationship Mm -hmm. or something like that from my own experience, that's when the really explosive emotions come out where you just either you scream or you cry or you are mad at God, so to speak, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, is is that the time to sort of draw a comparison or is that the time to just let someone cry and say, I'm here, you know, and just let right. them start by doing the talking or the emoting and oh, then yeah. jumping in. If is it's that, the right? real initial place I don't want to say stages because I know there are no stages of grief I want to go on record (laughs) saying that by God (laughs) but one of the initial dimensions people experience is either explosive feelings or shock or devastation or that sort of thing Mm -hmm. and that when when a person is that emotional let's remember they're totally in their right brain left brain logical information not around yeah there's no way they're going to find a place to put that so trying to be logical with them or say like you're not the only one who's been through this or everyone goes through this that's like the absolute wrong thing right or like to a woman who's just had a breakup Oh, there are thousands of guys up. They're like buses. Oh, you know, yeah. there's another one around every one. corner. There's plenty of fish in the sea. Exactly. Yeah. So, so let's just make a point here. Logic is not where you want to go with a person who is emotional. Mm-hmm. And so you're right. Yes. It, it, letting them emote, mm-hmm. whether that's through words, mm-hmm. through tears, mm-hmm. through pounding on pillows or, you know, expressing an angry expletives. (laughs) Let them swear if they want to swear. Don't be a judge, a jury, a teacher. Mm -hmm. None of those things is helpful when a person is feeling deeply emotional. Yeah, that's so important. And I'm so glad that you're bringing that point up that it's not logical because I do think that, that very often because we're not experiencing the other person's pain as acutely, unless Unless it's like a family, everyone lost a family member or something, you know, right. and everyone's feeling a certain flavor of the same, 
you know, thing, then, mm-hmm. then sure. But this idea of like, when you're around your friends that are grieving, you may feel for them, but you don't feel that like punched in the gut sensation where you're hollow. Mm-hmm. And, and there's just no way to, to even really go there. Even if you're a really empathetic person, right. it's, it's never the same. Like you mm-hmm. might feel for them. You might cry for them. You might think, God, that's so awful, but you're not living in their shoes. Mm-hmm. So to try to intellectualize it in any way, I would imagine would just feel almost insensitive and also just kind of, um, presumptuous and, and arrogant to, yeah. to kind of try to intellectualize somebody else's experience. Like, well, you're not the only one who's ever been through this. Like, take comfort in that. This happens to a lot of people. Or, you know, even if even with these school shootings, mm-hmm. I can imagine someone coming to a parent and saying, well, you know, there were other parents that lost children too. Like oh. as if that somehow oh, I know. would make it better, you know? Yeah, or at least you have other children. Oh, God. Like yeah. it doesn't the matter that you lost kids. one, you right? Know? Yeah, like they're, it's like they don't come in packs of six, you know? Exactly, like, exactly. And, yeah. you know, I think that you're so right. What you're saying is so right on that it's, Again, it's when we try to come up with some solution. Mm -hmm. And here's one of the things that occurred to me when you were speaking. When we try to come up with that wise or profound intellectual statement. Pontificating. What we're really doing, we've now shifted the focus of the conversation to us and our egos rather than the person in need. Mm -hmm. So if you really want to be helpful to someone in need, then just be present for them and try to get them to speak. Mm-hmm. Don't ask them yes or no questions. Oh, you yeah. know, you can you can even say something like, you know, I'm here for you. Tell me what's going on. What are you feeling? Mm-hmm. You know, or do you feel like talking or do you just want me to give you a hug? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I want to play a bit of clip of audio. A bit, a bit of clip of audio. <laughs> that sounded really intellectual. Um, I want to play a little bit of a piece of Celeste Headley's TED Talk. Oh, great. Where she talks about 10 ways to have a better conversation. And I'm going to link to this on our page. Um, but I want to play a little clip about um, listening with the intent to learn, basically. Mm-hmm. And and not assuming that you know everything when you, when you communicate with someone. Yes. That you have something to learn and that you don't always know better. Because the truth is, when you're talking to somebody in pain, you don't know anything about their experience. Even if you've been through the same thing, mm-hmm. the way you're going to process it and the way they process it have, may have nothing to do with each other because it all comes from what your prior life experiences have been. Mm-hmm. And theirs may be completely different. Yeah. All right. So let's take a listen to that. Mm-hmm. You need to enter every conversation assuming that you have something to learn. The famed therapist Eb Scott Peck said that true listening requires a setting aside of oneself. And sometimes that means setting aside your personal opinion. He said that sensing this acceptance, the speaker will become less and less vulnerable and more and more likely to open up the inner recesses of his or her mind to the listener. Again, assume that you have something to learn. Bill Nye, everyone you will ever meet knows something that you don't. I put it this way, everybody is an expert in something. Number three, use open-ended questions. In this case, take a cue from journalists. Start your questions with who, what, where, when, why, or how. 
If you put in a complicated question, you're going to get a simple answer out. If I ask you, were you terrified? You're going to respond to the most powerful word in that sentence, which is terrified. And the answer is, yes, I was or no, I wasn't. Were you angry? Yes, I was very angry. Let them describe it. They're the ones that know. Try asking them things like, what was that like? How did that feel? Because then they might have to stop for a moment and think about it. And you're going to get a much more interesting response. All right, so that was some audio from Celeste Headley and her TED Talk. She's an NPR host, I believe. And, uh, you know, that TED Talk is, <clears throat> excuse me, more about, I think, uh, being an interviewer or ways to have, have good conversations in mm-hmm. life. So it's not so specific to dealing with people who might be in pain. But I kind of think it's interesting that those same principles apply. Absolutely. So what should your mindset be if you're going into to be there for someone who is going through some kind of life transition, whether it's a loss or, um, you know, it could be loss of a relationship, loss of a a spouse to either death or divorce, or it could be the end of a a job or, I don't know, or retirement even. What do you say? What's the mindset that I, let's, you know, what would I want to be? Where would my head want to be to go into that? Well, I think one of the things that's really important to do first before you have that conversation with anybody is set the right intention. Mm-hmm. You know, I know you're I, big on that. I'm a big believer in intention because intention is how we tell the energy how we would like it to show up. Or in my mind, I would think it crystallizes our thoughts about what we're doing. Exactly. It does. It, it gives us clarity, right? It, clarity before we approach. And I think the intention we want to have whenever we're approaching somebody who's hurting mm-hmm. is just to comfort, to support, mm-hmm. to soothe, and, and not necessarily to fix Mm -hmm. don't go in with a fixing mentality because they can't be fixed you know grief is a process it's not an event right and when people are hurting it's a process they're going to have to go through there is no set prescribed amount of time but you know we all have certain amounts of time that we need to deal with our hurting hearts well and just kind of like celeste was touching on you know coming in assuming you have something to learn instead of you know, pontificating about your own opinion, I would think coming to support and soothe somebody is not the time to show how smart you are. Exactly. You know? That's where we really need to set our egos aside Mm -hmm. and just be friends. Just be someone who loves that person and wants to make them feel better. Right. So... And that can be hard sometimes. You know, some mm -hmm. people really have a hard time uh, I, I've had moments like this, you know, in my own life where we want to be an expert. We want to sound knowledgeable. We want right. to show the people we love how accomplished we are or how smart we are or how good we are at problem solving. And yet this is, those kinds of situations are absolutely not the time for any kind of self-exposition. No, because again, if you do that, it's coming back to you. And w- as human beings, we're all more comfortable with our intellect mm-hmm. than we are with our hearts. Mm. You know, we're trained. We go to school to, to develop our intellect. We engage with each other most of the time on an intellectual basis, not a heart basis. That's a place that's hard to go. So here's something I'd, I'd like to ask you then. What well, are? Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, before we move on, I'd like to finish that mindset question that sure. you asked me. Yeah. Um, so after you set that intention, then I think the most important thing is your presence. Mm. Just be present. And don't be thinking about what you have to do later or are you responding correctly? I, I remember once an assistant of mine in my grief group said, I don't know how my face should be 
Yeah. When I'm listening to them. Yeah. Wow. And I thought, oh my goodness, then you're not coming from the right place. Yeah. So just be present. Just be present with your desire to help mm-hmm. and to comfort and to soothe. And then I think, I think the next thing that's really important is to be in a mindset of acceptance. Mm-hmm. If you have an idea of how they should be mm-hmm. or what kind of language is okay to use or what they should be thinking or what they should be feeling, right. you're not going to be in a helpful space. Well, and especially when it comes to relationships ending, whether it's divorce or breakups, you know, I think that's where, where friends tend to get helpful and a little judgmental. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, maybe you shouldn't have done this. Or, you know, I mean, you might even think of somebody who maybe is leaving their partner for somebody else. And mm-hmm. you'd think that person would be overjoyed. But that's not an easy situation for anyone involved. I mean, if you're breaking up a relationship to be with somebody else, you're you're hurting the person that you cared about. There's mm-hmm. going to be guilt there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're dealing with the ramifications. You're also losing that person. Like... Even, you know, we talk a lot about Grace and Frankie, but I mean, that show really, I think, perfectly crystallizes this idea of these, you know, men who are breaking up their marriages because they, they're finally comfortable coming out as gay and being together, but it's not easy to leave their wives, you know, and come to this exactly. new life of acceptance of who they are. So I can imagine situations like that in life, or maybe somebody is breaking up with someone that their friends think is perfect for them, but mm-hmm. they just don't feel it and they have to get out. And that... I could see people being a little snooty and judgmental about that rather than coming, as you said, from a place that has no judgment. Exactly. And if you're in judgment, you're not able to be a helpful um, support, mm-hmm. you know, because then now it's they can about, feel that, they, I bet. They, exactly. Energetically, just like she said in that uh, the TED Talk, it, there's an energy that either opens a person up more so they can talk more about what they're feeling on the deepest levels or an energy that says to them, you're not safe. Mm. Do not open up here because you're, you're in a place of judgment, not a place of safety. Yeah. So when we want to help someone we love that's hurting, we have to create a place of safety. Yeah. And the final thing we really need to remember is when it is our turn to respond, and hopefully that's after we've done a lot of listening, mm-hmm. because the whole goal is really to get them to speak, because that's where the healing is right. when they speak and process. Mm-hmm. After we've done a lot of listening, coming from that non judgmental place, right. respond from the heart, not the head. So, what are some things that we should say? What are the good things to say to someone who's hurting? Ah, that's a great question. Um, Again, a lot of times people say to me, I don't know what to say. So I say to them, just say to them, I don't know what to say, but I love you and I'm so sorry you're hurting. Mm. Could you use a hug? Yeah. You know, or say to them, um, this this is, I can't imagine how difficult this must be. How are you doing? Uh, this is really hard for me to be helpful to you because I feel so inept. Tell it the truth, mm-hmm. but I want to be here for you. Yeah. What can I do? How can I serve you? Mm-hmm. You know, if you invite them into the conversation um, it, it, and ask them what you can do for them rather than telling them what they should feel, yeah, that is much more helpful. So here's another question I have for you. Mm-hmm. You know... These sorts of situations like breakups, divorces, deaths, job loss, those all seem pretty obvious that that would be the time to support somebody in Mm -hmm. need, right? That's kind of a no-brainer. That's when people need support. And yet, may I just add, 
people don't always show up and then they leave this because they're afraid they're going to do the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. So they avoid the encounter and then this poor grieving sad person is left alone and isolated and that happens way too often because we're more focused on ourselves and either our fear of our inadequacies or our busy lives and not having time and not wanting to catch the grief like you alluded to earlier. You know, I was at a a funeral a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. and uh, the rabbi said something so wonderful and he said, you know, in the coming weeks, you're going to be there for, for this family, you know, the, the immediate days and weeks that we're following. Mm-hmm. But he said, I want everyone in here to put a reminder in your phone and do it on your birthday because that's a day that you'll remember. Mm-hmm. And they said, and on that day, I want you to call the family and check in on them. Oh, I love that. Because he said, you know, it's so easy after the kind of initial... You right. know, humdrum, or, uh, that's not the right word. Focus. Focus. focus on Yeah, that loss. you forget yeah. about it. And mm-hmm. those people are still grieving. And he that's said right. the first year is the hardest. And I thought, that's a brilliant idea mm-hmm. to say, like, you know, if someone close to you has lost someone or, or they've gone through something difficult, put a reminder in your phone six months from now to check in with them and see how they're doing. And when you do, here's another thing you don't want to say. Call me if you need me. Oh, yeah, that works. Or let me know, you know, if I can help you. They are not going to call you. A better thing to do is to call and say, I wanted to come by and drop off some food. We don't have to talk if you don't feel like it. I just want to give you something to help you and to nurture you a little bit. Yeah. Or after a little time has passed, perhaps you say, hey, I want to come by and pick you up to go for lunch or go for coffee. Mm -hmm. Or how about I bring a movie over and we don't even have to talk. We'll just hang out together and watch the movie. Yeah, just to be there for the person. Exactly. We don't want to leave them isolated, but maybe talking is too hard. Mm -hmm. you know. And then sometimes just knowing that you're there and there's nothing required of them. They might open up. Exactly. So before we wrap up, there's a couple things I want to talk about because... You know, we're talking about the sort of obvious times when people need support. Yeah. What about some times in life that we view as celebratory that mm-hmm. might actually be difficult? Like I think about, mm. you know, <laughs> um, empty nest syndrome, right? Like your kid graduates right. from high school and that's a big celebration and we're supposed to be so excited for them. But then they they leave home, you know, and you mm-hmm. have this empty nest or, or maybe uh, your child gets married um, right. and they leave home <laughs> and they start this this whole new life without you. That's, that's some, there's some loss there. That's the transition there. Um, how, so maybe there are times in life when we need to support people who like aren't so obviously grieving, but maybe are going through some other kind of transition. What do you say to somebody in that case? Cause you certainly don't want to be like, your daughter just got married. You must be so heartbroken. Yeah, it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't feel right. But yet, they might be feeling a mixture of emotions. So of course. what do you say to someone who might be feeling a mixture of emotions, both positive and, you know, more negative or sad or, or yeah? Well, that might be one of those occasions when it's helpful to say, I don't know what you're experiencing, but I know when my daughter went away to school, I felt blah, blah, blah. Mm. And then invite them to share their experience with you. So maybe that's a time to to bring your own experience in a little bit more. Exactly. Than, yeah. And because I think then what you're saying to them is, hey, I get it that this isn't all sunshine and roses. Mm-hmm. You know, of course we're excited our kids get accepted into good schools and off they go to college. And then it's like, oh my God, they're on their own. They're not going to be sleeping yeah, in my house every night. That, sure. Yeah, all those things that can happen to them now being away. So I think the most helpful thing is to 
say, hey, you know, I, I get that this isn't all wonderful, that suddenly your child's gone after your whole life has been devoted to keeping that person safe. Yeah. You know, how are you doing? Or what are even, you feeling? Even maybe parents that have had one child and have another child on the way. I mean, there's a little bit of a loss of that one-on-one time with sure. the first baby, mm-hmm. you know, and now that person, that little person isn't going to have all your attention. So, yeah, I think there are a lot of a lot of times when we need to to know what to say and not to say. So I'm glad that we talked about this today. Yeah, because the, the <laughs> very clever, darling. Oh, thank you. You're so creative. <laughs> yeah, I think it's important because saying the right thing to somebody can really make the difference between whether they feel loved, comforted, supported, and accepted, or whether they feel all alone to try to figure it out by themselves. And it seems like so often, and I'm, I'm kind of just summarizing everything you've just said, mm-hmm. it seems like sometimes saying the right thing is is really just listening, is about listening. Amen. Most of the time, yeah. I would say. Most of the time, saying the right thing is really just saying... shut up. Yes, and right. Shut up do as much and damage. listen. <laughs> too true, my too darling. Too true. <laughs> well, I feel like this was was an important one to talk about. Maybe is not as lighthearted and fun as... Not that it wasn't fun, but it's maybe not as lighthearted as some of our other topics. But so super important. I'm so glad... We went there today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Me Hopefully too. we said the right things today. Otherwise that would look super weird and hypocritical. Well, if we didn't, here's the good news. Let us know. You can connect with us on social media. That's right. I'm waiting for the hate mail. I, <laughs> I think that's the testament of when you know you've made it. When someone gives you the finger on social media, it's like, all right, I'm making waves. And then we always have another podcast to try to say the right thing that time. Yeah. Trying again to say the right thing. That's right. Well, hey, trying and failing is probably one of the better things we can do in life. Mm-hmm. So we hope if you did like what we said. Or didn't. <laughs> that you'll subscribe on SoundCloud or follow us in social media on... At Podcast Bridges is our handle. And we're uh, online at bridgespodcast.com where you can connect with us. You can send us an email. It can be hate mail. It can be love mail. Let's <laughs> don't send us some the love. hate mail. No, you know, I always think <laughs> it's And funny. our website, darling? I just said it. What? Bridgespodcast.com. Oh, I'm sorry. I must have been laughing. It's okay. It. I wasn't saying the right thing, apparently. <laughs> <laughs>